Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. Today, we welcome to the podcast, Mark Velvano. Mark comes to us from New York City. His sobriety date is 11-21-2005. He is an educator, Frenchy dad, and home chef. His home fellowship is CMA in New York City. Please welcome to the podcast, Mark. I listened to this voicemail from my mother. Had it been my dad, the old Italian Marine, it would have been like, whatever. But it was her. And this is the same woman that never gave up on me, that always had my back. And she basically said, you dirty motherfucker, get out of my house. I am done with you. And that was pretty much it. My brother showed up. And luckily at the time, he had eight years of sobriety. And he like sat in the Barca lounge, kicked off his shoes and put his feet up and was like, all right, buddy, we got to come up with a plan. And it needs to include rehab or I'm supposed to kick you out. So I went to rehab. I was paired up with an amazing woman who had 22 years of sobriety as my counselor. And she didn't put up with any of my conniving. I was very smart. I was always trying to manipulate my way around. And she said to me, she Mm -hmm. said, you'll think your way right out of this program. Thank God I've, I've stayed. It'll be 18 years in November. So now that you are sober, what are some of the tools in your sobriety toolbox? In other words, what tools and tricks do you use to stay sober on a daily basis? All right. So uh, coming into the rooms, you know, in that first year, I went to outpatient and a meeting every, you know, every morning. So I did that 90 and 90, right? I got a sponsor. I listened. I can say that my biggest set of tools is the work that I've done through the steps, right? Because It helps me stay stopped, finding my tribe, which I didn't do right away, you know, and I was like, well, screw all these people, because in my head, I was short again, I was out of place again, I didn't fit, I hadn't been in a room with multiple gay men sober until I came into the rooms of like of gay AA and gay CMA in New York. And I felt like that piece was so important, like it was very, I could... I can relate to anybody in an AA meeting. That crystal meth piece is so specific to be able to like, you know, I remember the first time telling them my story at my AA home group and like all the ladies who were knitting, like dropped their knitting needles. Oh my God. What? (laughs) Wow. They're like, you really are a miracle. I'm like, Oh girl, you go, you have no idea what what was going on. Mm -hmm. So all of my initial insecurities really came raging up. I stepped away after I got a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that counselor from inpatient became my friend. And I would call her every now and then. And at one point, she was just like, you are cuckoo. When's the last time you went to a meeting? Mm -hmm. So I really dove back into the program around year four. um, And I found that tribe. And many of them, those people that I met at that point are still 
my go-to best friends today. I started therapy around mm-hmm. year 13 or 14. And that was a tremendous other awakening for me because it like kind of allowed me to go through things that were affecting my psyche that weren't necessarily tied to using. And it was amazing because I went to a workshop on trauma with a friend who I knew had trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm here to support you. And the woman who was running it started talking to herself as her 13 year old self. And I was like, whoa. And so like we started with family mantras. Like my mother was a, this is not for publication. Everything was a big secret. And my dad's was like, all the friends you'll ever need are right around this table. You don't need no friends. Fast forward to like getting out of recovery and being like, I don't know how to make friends because I was told I didn't need anybody. I said not to. Yeah, it's it's right? it's that we always kind of stigmatize trauma as this. You're like, I didn't come from like an abusive home or I didn't get, you know, yeah, these big, scary, traumatic. It's so much more subtle. Exactly. And it's like those little things throughout your childhood and throughout your life that just like, yeah, consider trauma. And then someone who knows they're talking about, they're like, "Mm, it is. And just I I kind of adopted in my life this put my shoulders back, my head forward and keep plowing. You know, like I was an elementary school principal during COVID and I was taking on. First of all, I was running a school from my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, and reinventing the art of schooling day on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. it was a tuition-based school. So I was taking on these traumas like, oh, my husband was laid off. We can't afford for the kids to, to stay in the school or this or that. And, and literally trying to like wheel and deal and raise money and help everybody. Right. And then my brother dies. And then my mother has hip surgery and I'm in the middle of dealing with all of my siblings, none of whom are therapized. I woke up one morning in May and couldn't get out of bed. You know, I got onto therapy and he was like, there it is. Yeah. So like now in dealing with like undiagnosed anxiety and depression that had been, you know, an underlying thing the whole time. The toolbox is in the rooms and it's also stuff that's outside the rooms. If I were to say the most important two pieces for me, are my step work and my tribe. Who would you say is your biggest supporter right now? I have my sober tribe and I also have my local gay tribe here in Jersey City. Um, And it's funny because I lived here for almost 12 years and all my friends were in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And then during COVID, I couldn't get to them. And I was like, oh shit, I really need to start making friends in this neighborhood. I've been here forever. So I have this great, just amazing friends who understand and know what my life is about and who appreciate it. I can be around people who are drinking and whatnot. They understand that it's too much. I'm just going to be like, hey, y'all, I'm out. It's not an issue. Yeah. Right. Like my sobriety is something that they protect as much as I do. And and it's amazing. You know, you expect it from sober people, but for the non-sober people to be so supportive, you're like, oh, shit. One of the things I've developed is value. Absolutely. So once you got sober, what new goals and aspirations emerged in your life? So interestingly enough, 
I started working in Catholic education. So I became a teacher after I got sober. I had started the process and then had to go to rehab, put it all on pause, and then started it back up. Um, My second year, I got a job in a Catholic school. I worked for the two most amazing nuns who were like, do you have a life partner? And I was like, (laughs) I already figured me out. And it was not an issue in the seven years that I worked there. They knew I was sober. They knew I was gay. Like it wasn't a thing. Then I earned a master's degree and then I earned an advanced degree in school leadership and I became a school principal. And that was when it became like, okay, you need to shut down everything. Like it was my school. I got to run it however I wanted. We created this amazing school community, but I couldn't be all the way out. And then what got harder was because as the parents who were enrolling children got younger and cooler, they were like, we got to find you a sugar daddy. And I was like, we're not having this conversation. And they would say to me, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And the more I heard them respond that way, the more I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I went and got another job. I work in a very liberal school system in the city now. Hearing people say, I've never seen you look so happy. It's just been this past year has been the most incredible discovery of like, who's Mark as a gay man? Yeah, exactly. And especially working with kids, you being your authentic self and living your own skin not only gives those little kids that are queer someone to look up to, yeah. but all those kids who have been taught that queer is wrong. Correct. Someone to think about right. in their own heads. Mom is saying that this person's wrong, but my principal is not wrong. I like him. If you could give one piece of advice to a newly sober person, what would it be? Um, stick around for the miracle. In the beginning, you're going to have a shit ton of doubt and you're going to find every reason in the world to be like, this isn't for me. I don't deserve this. I don't like these people. God, you know, you're going to find every excuse in the world. Want to run and go back to that sick blanket that you cover yourself up in. But if you stick around and you listen more than you talk, the old timers used to say, take the cotton out of your ears and stuff it in your mouth. It's true. You know? I think what's amazing is we see people accomplishing things. We also see people surviving really hard things without picking back up. And to me, that's the proof that this works. Mm -hmm. So like I look to my left, I look to my right, and I know these are people I can count on. I think one of the things that I've always noticed in my sobriety is that when I am quiet enough to listen and notice things unfolding very naturally in front of me and I just follow the next right step all of a sudden it's like oh my god look what just happened for me and with that amazing piece of advice where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you um on Instagram my handle is at hey Marco h-e-y-m-a-r-k-o with the number eight because I am the eighth child in my family. Love it. That'll also be in the show notes so they'll be able to find you. So thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay sober, guys. 
I'm so sick of small talk and tell me something you're talking